This is E2 Entrepreneurs Expos, where we speak with all kinds of entrepreneurs doing amazing things in business and beyond. Support for E2 is brought to listeners in part by Owner. With Owner, you can run a name search, register, incorporate your business, and even create a custom logo in just a few minutes. Make your business official at owner.co. That's O-W-N-R.co. Use the code E250 at checkout for $50 off. And our newest sponsor, Irishtel, offering better Canadian telecom solutions. With Irishtel Business Solutions, companies can streamline communications to reduce complexity and give employees better resources. Visit iristel.com slash solutions for more info. That's I-R-I-S-T-E-L.com for more. I'm excited about this one. It is my conversation with Alex Icon. Alex has co-founded several businesses, including Luxie Hair, 5-Minute Journal, and others, and also runs a creative agency called Dreamers and Creators based in London, UK. He also shares all of his entrepreneurial and life activities with his wife and business partner, Mimi Icon, who is, by all accounts, a true online celebrity. Alex and Mimi are also angel investors in great companies like Calm and Tradesy. In this very wide ranging conversation with Alex, we hit on a number of topics, including the growth of Luxie Hair and 5-Minute Journal, the serendipity that is the Tim Ferriss effect, growing a company through organic content, and more. But Alex also hits on some themes that have never really surfaced on the podcast that I think are so interesting, including the difference between a lifestyle business and a real business, the growth mindset, the importance of doing meaningful work and knowing one's purpose, creating stuff you actually want to see in the world, and much more. So with that very long-winded introduction, I hope you enjoyed this talk as much as I did. Here is Alex Icon. You and Mimi, your wife, get married, and Luxie Hair, your, your first business, you can correct me if I'm wrong on that, but your first business that became significant was born uh, around that time. But to an extent, you credit the book, The 4-Hour Workweek, for starting that business. What's the story behind the discovery of Luxie and the influence of Tim Ferriss's book? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll say that's my first successful business. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll say as most entrepreneurs, you know, you dabble with a lot of things until you you hit something that goes off. So I won't go into the backstory of many, you know, I guess, failures. And, uh, you know, also just uh, those things of, as being of a young entrepreneur trying different ideas. But I think, uh, yes, Lexi Hair was definitely that first hit. And Tim Ferriss and the 4-Hour Workweek, I guess it was a, a very important book in the way we structured that business. And I think most importantly, not even in business, I would say how we structured our life. It was the first time I really came across the term lifestyle design. And I, I believe to this day, it has had a highly influential impact on my life. In regards to just the, like a lot of people, you know, look at that book and they're like, oh, well, that's not that really useful or tactful. But I think what that book is really important for and many other great books is how it can frame and change your mindset to look at things differently. So for us, it was really more about, oh, wow, I never thought about I always thought about the idea of being in business or being an entrepreneur is like working, you know, your ass off and, you know, maybe someday retiring. And that whole idea of like, you know, being a fat guy in a red BMW didn't really appeal to me. It's something <laughs> he talks about in the book. So I was like, you know what? I guess this whole idea of how we look at success is very not in the right way. You know, it's all about like, especially in business, like growth, scale, revenue, how many number of employees you have. You know, you before we were chatting, you were part of EO. 
And I think in a lot of entrepreneur circles, it's a lot of like, uh, they're looking, looking upon, I think metrics that are not actually important to your actual life and lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think that book had a really big impact on us. Cause from day one, we were designing that business with, with the mind of how do we achieve our lifestyle goals, the way we want to live our lives. So what were some of the key lessons for those that have never read the book? that you guys uh, took and applied when you were kind of drafting the business strategy for Luxie? Um, I think, you know, if I, if I think back for Luxie, I think with, before you have your first successful business, you just want to succeed at any level. Mm-hmm. However, uh, I guess for us, the, the tips that we really took away is that how do we set things up in a way that will allow us to be able to be have that freedom because one of our top values of both me and my wife and the business partner is freedom. So it's really about that idea of like, you know, having third party fulfillment, you know, not doing fulfillment yourself or making sure that you're able to have a product or your muse idea that allows you to set up this business in such a way that it, it can scale in a way where you won't be the most important part. And I think throughout the years now, now being in business now for eight plus years, I think the biggest lesson you really get and the, the great thing about the far working, but really it's about any good business. And I think what real entrepreneurship really is, is, is that ability for you to be able to scale a business beyond yourself. Everything else is really self-employment. And what true entrepreneurship is I've now, you know, matured and learning is that how do you really build an organization or a business that is able to scale without you? So those, that's really, I guess, the basic principle and foundation that has allowed us to set that as a foundation and learn from that. So the scaling beyond yourself is an interesting theme. That's, I guess, the theme or, or the main premise that's allowed you to build these other businesses, right? Like you've got Intelligent Change and the 5-Minute Journal, Productivity Planner and that company. What else are you working on right now? You know, we recently launched a new brand called Love Hair, which is a sustainable, organic um, hair care line, which me and my wife, uh, you know, we're just kind of as, as a side project. We're really excited about that. And it's just this potential because it's something that, you know, my wife really wanted to exist in the world. And I'm, I'm always passionate about making something come true. Right. That's one of the reasons why our, I guess, kind of agency here in London, what we would call it, where we live out of is called dreamers and creators. You know, it's really that idea. What we are really passionate about is just being able to dream and create uh, we really like the idea from going to zero to one. I think that's the most exciting part for us. Once the business really starts scaling and growing and you need to build a team and things like that, that's where we kind of lose interest. However, that's the most uh, really in reality, one of the most important uh, parts and aspects. So we're still sticking around even with Luxy Hair right now as well. And I'll say that's that business is doing really well. And we've really put a lot of those fundamentals in place. So I think really right now, I'm just in a place where I'm actually doing my best to not jump onto new ideas mm-hmm. and see how I can expand or see through uh, the good ideas or things that were that's currently running. You know, how do I, you know, get the right people in place to be able to make sure that those business ideas succeed? Are you and Mimi partners in everything that you guys do together? We are. We weren't, even though let's say an in intelligent change. I have a of a different partner there who, you know, and however, we're still partners. You know, I, I always see her as a partner. She's a, she's really 
a really massive part and a really great business strategist, if you call it at that. A lot of people, I think, underestimate when they look at Mimi. They think I'm the guy who's actually running the decisions and operations and show. But Mimi, like, don't be fooled by her looks. You know, she's she's really strategic um, and very business savvy. So I really do consider her as my business partner, even though, say, in a in a business like intelligent change where it was me and my other friend who went in business and her partnership but in reality she's just been so crucial to the success of that business as well and it wouldn't be where it is without her so let's talk about the intelligent change stuff and then we'll get back to mimi in 2013 so three years or so after you guys start luxy intelligent change is born and there's another connection to tim ferris in a weird way because tim, <laughs> tim posts a video on youtube around 2013 pumps the five minute journal and I would assume things grow exponentially after that. Um, two questions for you. One, did you guys know that Tim was doing this video? And two, what happened to the sales of the 5-Minute Journal after that video was posted? Yeah, I believe at the time we, we were aware that he would do a video on that. And it all happened, I guess, it wasn't just a video factor that really led to, of course, the business grow. Um, that was a very interesting story because... You know, uh, another fellow entrepreneur organization, EO person I met, Jason Gaynard, he did this similar thing. What me and you were talking about this podcast were about like the idea of that doing stuff that you love and, and don't doing stuff that you don't like doing in your life, whether it be business, even if successful. So Jason kind of killed his previous really successful multi-million dollar business, which I thought was stupid, to create this idea of called this event called Mastermind Talks. Yep. And 2013, that was the first event he held in Toronto. And he's just did a Hail Mary and pretty much invested all the money he didn't have. He borrowed like a ridiculous amount of money. I think it was something like $80,000 or something like that to buy thousands and thousands of Tim Ferriss' books in order to get him to speak at his first event, which was Mastermind Talks. And because of that, Tim Ferriss was going to come to Toronto to to speak at his his first conference. It was like Hail Mary to kind of launch him into this new career of events. And we were just Jason's friends and we just helped him kind of organize and he you know, invited us for free as friends and we were there. And, and UJ, who, who's my business partner, mm -hmm. uh, we made, I guess, a strategic uh, decision to, we need to somehow, we need to somehow in any way get our journal there for the event. And Jason said, hey, no problem if you guys want to launch at the event and kind of give it away i love to support you guys anyway we're like sweet great let's do that so we did that but the the truly i guess serendipitous part of the whole thing was you know uj really had the audacity and just him as a person and his character to come up to tim and be like hey tim we just love your stuff um we created this thing called the five minute journal now we just want you to have a copy just so you, you know just want to say thank you for everything you've done and just give him a copy and as I said, as a serendipity, you know, nothing paid, nothing, anything. He was just going, you know, Tim was going through a rough time in his life in that year, in 2013. And somehow this guy gets things handed to him all the time. People pitch him to him all the time, but the product really resonated with him. So Intelligent Changes of Brand was very fortunate to be able to launch into this forefront by, you know, two very important influencers from both sides. You know, me, me and my wife more like, you know, female focused lifestyle and stuff. And then 
Tim being, of course, still a female demographic, but a lot of men as well. So it really helped to get this product, which is, you know, very feminine in a way, if you think about it, it's like journaling and things like that. But he was able to uh, give us that social proof to expose it to that masculine market as well, which was really cool. And then, of course, the podcast he launched and it took off and, and it was helping him throughout the time. And it was just, once again, very fortunate that the product really resonated, became one of his favorites. And we just tagged along for the ride because it was one of his favorite products. We just became one of those, like, you know, as Oprah have his book club, we were like in Tim Ferriss's book club sort of thing, where one of his favorite products and he would just always talk about it because people would always often ask him, you know, what are some products that really helped him in his life? Or uh, what is, what's his morning routine look like, which is very popular with a lot of influencers. And, you know, like I said, we're just very fortunate and lucky to be there. And that's what, and I, I guess what I'm trying to say in all of this is that sometimes, you know, luck does play an important part in all of this. However, you know, we, of course we did play an important role is that you still have to create and that's the thing with any marketing for any business is that you still have to create a product that will be able to resonate and help and deliver value to people. And I think that's that's the part we really focus on and, and did well on. Yeah, it's a really good point. Um, just as a frame of reference for people, you mentioned Oprah. So he, he, Tim Ferriss, has been called the Oprah of the Internet, and his podcast is behemoth in the world of podcasting. Hundreds of millions of downloads, I believe, at this point. So hugely powerful to have him behind the five minute journal. You're talking about creating the idea and creating value. How did you guys come up with the idea initially for the five minute journal? Well, the idea came about really with, you know, my friend, UJ, we just became friends. And what happened was, you know, we would just be uh, on this walk discussing things that we like to discuss, which is like, you know, the self-development, all that kind of movement. And there was a great book. It was called uh, happiness advantage by Sean Aker. And it's this guy who was like a teaching assistant at Harvard. The, I think I forget the other, but there's this happiness course in Harvard. It's like one of the most subscribed courses in Harvard. So he did a lot of research as well into happiness and all that things. And he, in his book, The Happiness Advantage, he really laid out very beautifully all the things that are research and scientifically back that will help you be, be more you know, joyous, grateful, and just have a better life overall. And we were just, I think, kind of discussing that book. And I was like, I'm like, I think I, on that walk, I said, UJ, you know, this is it. I think this is the product that you can have for your muse. We can create a journal that actually implements all these, all this stuff into easily used format. Because at that time, UJ had this like, you know, he's really into meditation and self-development before all this whole stuff and movement and Tim Ferriss and things like that. And I was as well. And and, but he had this like an hour or hour and a half morning and night journaling routine. Hmm. Right. And I was like, I was like, dude, like, I really like what you're doing there, but there's no way <laughs> I'm going to be doing uh, like three hours of journaling <laughs> yeah, day, or like yeah. an hour, yeah, or an hour and a half, whatever, two hours of journaling a day. It's just like, it's just not realistic for me or for any people. Like I have like, okay, maybe like five minutes, you know? So like, so we, we let's create something that is more for like me, uh, like my level and not your level of intensity and, and something that will be really usable to most people. And I, I really kind of, I guess, pitched that idea because I really wanted to have something like that in my own life. And I said, at the end of this, you know, even if we, even if we fail, 
and we print a thousand copies, I'll be I'll be happy because I got the journal that I want to ha have in my life. I can give away to friends and things like that. And and for me, because like the idea of this journal, why I really sink because before that there wasn't really too many guided kind of like journals that tell you kind of what to like fill in the blanks. And the reason I, like uh, I, I kind of had that idea is because my writing is like horrendous. And yes, you can have these questions and you can journal about them every day. But for myself, I really want to have stuff that at least like is like organized so that I can then put in my chicken scratch into that in those blanks. So that's that's the other idea of really how it came to be. And like I said, for me, it was really about creating this journal so I can have it in my life. And I'm like, for you, Jay, I'm like, dude, you're going to at the end of this, even if we fail, you're going to know how at least to create this business. You're going to know how to register for a business. You're going to know how to fulfill a product. You're going to know how to source a product uh, from, let's say, China or anywhere else in the world. You're going to know what it takes to regards to marketing, all that stuff. So that was really it. It was really uh, an experiment and that went really well. For those that aren't familiar with the format, it's it's very structured. I'll let you explain it. But there's also this aspect of the five minute journal, which is super cool, which involves all the inspirational quotes. I'm curious to know how you guys choose what quotes go into the journal and uh, just give people a brief overview of, of what the product's all about. Sure. So the five minute journal is like we said, it's the simplest, most effective thing you can do every day. And I call it the toothbrush for your mind. You know, it's just something that you do every morning, right when you wake up. And ideally, you keep it on your bedside with a pen to make it very easily accessible to you. And the last thing you do before you go to sleep. And the whole idea about it is really that our, our mind is just filled with junk. And throughout the day, there's a lot of negative bias all around us. So in order to offset that, clean that up, and that's why I'm saying it's a toothbrush for your mind, uh, you just instill certain you know affirmations and positive things into your mind through these simple questions so in the morning is just like i'm grateful for and you write three things that you're grateful for the next question in the morning is like we'll make today great so once again you're anchoring and really expecting those things already to happen in a day and the things that you can actually control so if i'm living in london i'm not gonna say like hey uh, it'll be great if it'd be sunny today like it's out of my control i can't do that but i can say you know that it'll be great if I go into work and I do my productivity plan or actually follow the think of formula and be more productive today. I can actually do that. And then you have your daily affirmation. So it's a statement really to reaffirm to yourself of who you are. And once, once again, all these things have really been studied in a lot of these institutions, even like Harvard, that actually prove that they work. And it's the same idea of the same thing. Like, for example, you buy a new car and all of a sudden you start seeing that car everywhere or that shirt or whatever you bought your brain has a certain already formula to it so you just kind of five minute journal really helps you to hack that so you're now able to really see the world in kind of those pink rosy shades and it, it, through my own experience and of course through hundreds of thousands of people who have used it it's incredible how with time this repetitive formula of doing this thing can actually help you then you actually have you start getting that feeling of like wow like i'm grateful you know, I'm, I'm grateful for my health or I'm grateful for my partner. You start actually seeing the things that you have in your life versus the things like like most people, they focus on the things that they don't have. When you think focus on things that you don't have, well, you attract that. That's what you're focusing on. So those are, really the, I guess, one of the factors. And, and the, the evening portion is just really just three amazing things that happened today. And the last question is really, how could I make today better? 
And that seems like a, it's a negative question, but in the instructions, we say that, you know, to phrase that question in a positive tense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I did my best to try to really do a simple thing, but of course, there's a lot more in-depth stuff into it. Okay. And so the inspirational quotes, how do you guys get those? Um, it's simple. I just, I think the same thing, like, as I was trying to say, is just really about going over quotes that really speak to us. So we personally review the quotes and or, or find them or source them and just find stuff that really resonates with us. Mm. And it's amazing how, you know, even when we compile them and I, and I fill it out myself and I'm like, you know, that's a good quote. Or I see people sharing quotes. I'm like, oh, that's so spot on. That's a great quote. But it's just, uh, I think everything around this product, and I think it's just a way to give, you know, your listeners advice on how to create something or why was this product successful is really from from everything from scratch. Like I said to you in the beginning, I, I was designing it for myself. You know, I was designing in a way of like that I would be happy with this. And, and because nothing like that existed for me that that would satisfy kind of the, the product that I was looking for in regards to quotes, in regards to structure, in, regard, in regards to even the fabric, you know, the linen linen that we chose and things like that. Those are all really choices that we made because these are the things that we ourselves wanted to have and, and interact with on a daily basis. And any great products, you know, like I'm very grateful for people who created, you know, Apple products, for example, or my iPhone that I use every day. Uh, people take it for granted, but there was probably like, you know, hundreds of thousands of small little decisions made to make that experience for you. Yes. And somebody was designing with that in, in mind. And I see that with everything now. I think as a creator, that's the I, like the chair that you sit on or the car that you drive or the, the, or the bus or the subway. All these things were designed by people. And I think as an entrepreneur, it, it's really a rabbit hole of once you get into it, you and you start creating with a frame of mind of what do you want to have exist in this world rather with there's this other idea of entrepreneurship or business of like, how can I get and extract the most value for myself so I can buy those things? Personally, both me and my wife, we, we enjoy the creation aspect of, of, of our businesses. And everything from um, that experience you'd have on social media or when you land on our website or the copy that you see, like all those things we have thought about. Yeah. And those are, those are the things that we actually get excited about. So all I'm trying to say is that, you know, for anybody really being in business and it's just my own experience, but these are the things that are most fulfilling to us. The money aspect is great. We really are grateful for it and we enjoy it, but it's really a, a byproduct of the fun that we have in creating our businesses. So when does the lifestyle business, rewinding back 10 minutes or so, uh, you mentioned this as a theme, when does it become a real business and what are the differences? Yeah. So for me, I guess after like reading the four hour work week, I had that idea of like, I didn't, I like what I just told you, I was complete opposite uh, because I come from a, a background where I didn't grow up with money. I really believe that once you'd have money, it would solve your problems. However, once you really actually like, you know, and a lot of people who don't have money, they always like, you know, they hate on rich people and they're like, Oh yeah, you're saying that cause you have money and all that stuff. And I, I, it would be kind of that. But once that we're able to actually attain lifestyle freedom and, and money, you realize like it's, it's actually fairly empty. 
What I mean by that, and I think actually Tim Ferriss talks about it, I think in one of this chapter, and I kind of missed that at the beginning, it was called filling the void. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do actually when you do attain your lifestyle freedom? And when you can do actually have a business that's not even generating, you know, like it doesn't have to be generating hundreds of millions of dollars or millions of dollars. Maybe you can just be generating 40000 or fifty or $1,000 and you can be having that lifestyle freedom, right? So what happens then? And I guess for us, what I was trying to say is that we first came with that mind. We were really designing it to achieve that lifestyle freedom. And as soon as we started, you know, traveling and we started doing the things that we thought, you know, money could afford us, we very quickly learned there is this void that comes up. Mm -hmm. And the void is if you are not doing stuff in your life of purpose, uh, and actually creating, and if you're just uh, like hedonistically enjoying life, it actually starts being pretty gray. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the reason why there's so many unhappy, wealthy people uh, mm-hmm. and sad because simply they don't have a purpose, right? And they're just and they're they're attaining even money uh, for the wrong idea, or they may they may actually be doing great stuff. <laughs> they may actually be wealthy and be delivering value to people in the world but they may not see it. And that's the same idea with like what I was talking about the five minute drills, like helping you see the things that are good. So even let's say with Lexi hair, it took us some time to then realize the actual awesomeness that business was and, and the good that we were creating even in that industry of how we were even making that industry better, how we were bringing positive emotions and impact to women all over the world, making that whole process easier and better and all that stuff, even that thing. But to speak on that point exactly of like when does a business shift from a lifestyle business to a real business, you know, it's, it's all very personal, but I'll say for me, my own experience is like, once you start hitting like seven figures, you know, you, you start making million or more into your business. Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of operation. So if you think about it, like to make more than a million dollars in, in selling five minute journal or productivity plan, or set, like the intelligence change has two products. We have like, well, we have three of it. We, we, we relaunched five minutes for kids, but like our products cost like average price is like 23, 25 bucks. So imagine how many we have to sell to hit over a million. Yep. That's a lot of, that's a lot of units. Yeah. And what I'm saying that is, but when you start hitting those kind of units and numbers, I'm not even talking about the monetary value of like millions of dollars. I believe it's a sign to you as a business creator that you're hitting onto some, you're hitting on a need or something that has greater potential than you're currently serving. Especially if let's say at our level, if we only are doing like two, three products. Yeah. And the percentage so, of, of businesses that ever get to a million is super, super small. Like people yeah. don't realize, I mean, it sounds a million dollars <laughs> in top line revenue sounds so small, right? To, to, yeah, as yeah, a yeah. quote unquote, a business, but it's a yeah. very, very small percentage of businesses that actually get over a million dollars. And it's, exponentially small as you go up like $5 million north of $10 million. Very, very rare that startups ever reach that threshold. Exactly. I think there's, especially between like five to 10 million, they call it like, there's like a big gap. Yep. That's like one most, like there's a cliff, like most businesses <laughs> can't even it cross that gap. Yeah. And growth but, sucks cash and, and many of them fail, uh, despite, you know, north of five or 6 million in revenue. Exactly. But what I'm, what, why I'm using that number as a reference, let's say a million dollars, it's, it's really, it's really just a sign. It can be different, but it's really a sign that if you're, if you're able to, with a lifestyle business, with, with, let's say not a lot of, there's always effort at the beginning of a lifestyle business, but the whole idea is like, 
you you kind of put it on maintenance mode and it just maintains that kind of income and you do some some kind of changes but uh, you're still able to maintain the cash flow that comes in but if you're seeing exponential growth with with little effort you hit on something that's that is really special and that's what i'm saying is that's when a lifestyle business no longer is a lifestyle business and can become a real business because from my experience, for example, with Luxie Hair, we we went, you know, think in three years. In our first year, we did like a million. In our second year, we did like three million. In our third year, we did like five million in revenue, mm-hmm. right? And the reason I say that is like that was like crazy growth, even for us, especially because we weren't actually doing anything. We had like two customer service people, and 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 all we were doing to service really that. Because everything else was kind of set up in regards to fulfillment, uh, all the things, and the website. The the thing that was driving that growth was our organic content that we were creating, right? So the content and the ex, uh, uh, kind of exponential growth of that content through social media channels like YouTube and all the things like that were feeding that growth. However, what we then learned after year three and when we're like yeah this is so cool this is you know we're, we're so comfortable the the moment you think like you got it and you haven't figured it out and you're you're not doing anything to kind of accelerate the growth or try to maintain it or create new channels for growth the growth will flatten out right and 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 most likely what will happen after it flattens out it will decline and the reason that happens it's really evolutionary, and w- w- there, you know, one of my favorite I call it business books of all time, even though it's not a business book. It's Sapiens uh, by Yuval Noah Harari. Oh, it's so and, good! It's yeah, so good. The, the next one, Homo Deus, is is also good, but Sapiens is probably yeah. better, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's classic. And but the reason I, I referred to that and to just business kind of ideas like this is really understanding that when you start succeeding especially now on the internet, people will see you succeed. They will try to replicate your success. And if you're not doing things to evolve your business and your methodology, you, someone will take your lunch. They will eat your food. It's just, it's just survival. It, it truly is like survival of the fittest in nature. And, so, and I think business is one of the greatest examples of that. So with Luxie Hair, for example, you know, there was a period, like where I said, where it was just flat. We were flat. We weren't growing. We weren't declining very grateful for that it was really because it was the same year we launched intelligent change it was the same year we uh we moved to london from canada and uh, really dealing with other problems but really what happens is the moment you take your focus off of you know growth or even uh, that idea of it it will go away <laughs> like uh, like the, the thing that most people don't understand it's the same thing in anything your relationships the, the moment you stop investing into your romantic or your friendships or anything like that it just won't magically keep happening <laughs> you know same thing like in your body it's not like you go to and that's the reason why you know why we you have to keep doing the five-minute journal or the same idea why you have to keep going to the gym and working out it's not like you know you went to the gym you worked out for a day or maybe you're, you're like you, you worked out for two or three months and you got into the shape that you wanted and you're like you know i really i, I really like this you know i'm now at, i have this muscle disposition i have this body fat percentage i got to where i wanted so now i can just not go to the gym anymore you know yep. <laughs> it doesn't it, it doesn't happen you have to keep growing you have to maintain it. if you want to keep evolving well you have to really 
also keep experimenting and doing new stuff. Same thing to that example of you working out in the gym. If you keep going to the gym and keep doing the same exercises, with time, your growth will atrophy. Yep. Because you will have to input or create or do different exercises in order to stimulate different muscle groups to, in order to help you create more growth. And that's what I'm saying. It really, business is like nature. So you have to do the same things. And that's what I'm saying. That what I've realized for myself is that if you truly want to create a business that will, like, it's fine to have a lifestyle business to a certain degree, but there is no such thing as a passive income business forever. Like, yeah you will still have to do something at some point when you will start seeing those declines or growth. So that's, that's kind of just my example. On that. Do you guys think you've got, you've done a, a good job with both Luxie and with five minute journal in terms of, of growing through this innovation that you're talking about? I think with Luxie here, and that's where both me and my wife are, we're 50, 50 partners there and we're really aligned. That's where we, we, like I said, through years when we saw that stagnation mm-hmm. and then the last three years we really regrouped, and we've, you know, there's a lot of things that we've learned from other entrepreneurs that I met that have taught me this, you know, and I, I have a great friend, his, his, his name is Dan Martell, and he recommended me a book called, because in, in, in these whole EO circles, you know, they're scaling up, right, by Vern Harnish. There's this book, which is highly recommended for a lot of, you know, business owners, but it's, it's not, it wasn't for me. I, I didn't really, like, I couldn't really clue into it it was, I think it was Rockefeller habits is better actually that's his first I know everyone loves yeah. scaling up but I, I enjoyed the first one better yeah exactly but there's another book which is like kind of like a dummy version of scaling up or mm-hmm. Rockefeller habits mm-hmm. and I think it's one of the like kind of like you know rogue people who, who was probably an EO and YPO or like these things and, and went on to do this other thing it's called Traction mm. uh, by Gino Wickman I don't know if you heard that one I have not taking notes <laughs> yeah now. so so traction by Gino Wickman is like a dummy <laughs> version of scaling up. And that book really like, and so that recommendation, that book from Dan Martell really allowed me to see how to fund them, put different fundamentals in place for the business. And with Luxie here, that's exactly what we did like three years ago. So we really were able to, you know, find a leader for that organization. We put in, in place like a general manager. And then we were, we started investing into the business in regards to hiring people to do certain areas, to work on certain areas of business to help that grow that. And you know, that business now is on track to when they had like no growth for like three years, in the last three years, that business is gonna double without our day-to-day operations of that business. Simply just because we put in certain organizational fundamentals in place and certain leadership, to be able to help that business scale and grow. That all started because Mimi and I had that vision of like, hey, we want to put this in place. And to be honest with you, I'm being very transparent, very honest. We haven't done that with intelligent change. And there's other factors, you know, at, at play in that business. I do have another partner who's 50-50 and we do have to see eye to eye and decide on things to go the same kind of way. And, you know, so we're, you know, I would say we're in a stage of where now for us seeing the success that we're seeing with Luxie Hair uh, of what, and that's what I'm saying, when you make that really a mindset shift once again of like, hey, I no longer wanna be just about lifestyle, I wanna see how, how do I actually grow an asset? Because I think one of the biggest lessons that I can share with you know your listeners or anybody like listening is that before I used to look at business more as a, like a cash flow generating 
vehicle. Mm-hmm. And it's not a bad thing, meaning it's a, it's a great if you are able to create something that is able to provide you a living and provide you that cash flow. Mm-hmm. But once again, like from from having that experience and being exposed and meeting great business people who scaled businesses, you learn that. I think it was actually one of our Russian friends. He was really successful in Russia, but he said the problem having a business in Russia, even if you're a good entrepreneur, you're not going to get really great evaluations for that business because there's a lot of risk in that country. Yes. But he's like, the, but he's like the great thing about being in say in Canada or in us or in the Western kind of world is that if you actually build a business with a structure and a foundation, you can actually, you're what you're building is beyond the cash flows. You're also building an asset. And it's like, and it's like, and it's like for most entrepreneurs, the asset of the business you're creating is actually gonna be more valuable than the cash flows that you will pay out. And if you are, once again, if you have that mindset shift of, or, or from the get-go, or even for as you evolve, to understand that the real game of entre- entrepreneurship is really building that, uh, depending on how you see it, but really the, uh, building that asset of what a business is and how you can really build it in a way that it's not relying on you and and the ability to scale, even if you're not planning to sell the business, you will have a better business. Yep. I want to switch quickly to the personal stuff. So short responses, but so that we can get through some of these. The Okay, so Mimi, for, for those that don't know her stuff, um, she is like, by all accounts, an Instagram celebrity. She's got 1.3 something million followers. That's an extraordinary amount. Are there any aspects of Mimi's life on Instagram that make you uncomfortable? I mean, you're, you're partners, but you're her husband. You have a daughter together. What's that all like for you? Uh, Mimi's account is very holistic and it's, it's very tailored towards our lifestyle. So our family, our travels, you know, maybe some fashion, things like that. Uh, but yeah, no, so I think it's all really great. Like with any of our channels, whether it be my Instagram or YouTube channels or anything like that, even I told you before, if I'm in a journal, like our, the, the really so far, the, the formula to our success have really been like create stuff that you want to see in the world. So same thing with her Instagram. She's just creating stuff that she herself wants to experience and wants to share with others. And I, I remember I came across this quote. I think it was Charlie Chaplin. But the true success in life is really to, true to be, be true to yourself. And if you can hone into that, into that authenticity of who you are, no matter maybe how a little weird you are or what you're really into, and if you're not just doing stuff because you want to be liked by these type of people or doing you know do other things you'll be able to that'll be true success because you'll be able to be living life on your own terms and that's something that you know i'm really grateful for with just with mimi and just how we everything that we do you know a lot of people may not agree with what we do how we live our lives and that's cool but we're cool if we enjoy it and that's Mm -hmm. the most important thing so over that like i said there's no problem at all with and I think I encourage it, if anything. <laughs> is there anything that's not working well for you guys right now? I mean, it it's, a, seems unbelievable. The, your whole lifestyle together, um, your channel, by the way, is also crazy. And I want to ask you about your YouTube stuff. But is there anything that's, that you guys are faced with right now that seems to be a challenge? You know, I, I think like th- there's just more like nuances in regards to like business stuff. Hmm. And it just comes with the territory of you know, scaling and expanding in, in, in this, especially working with other people. So it's just more like just how do you better uh, make sure that you're aligned with other people that you're co-creating with? 
Cause then that's the thing. Like I think a lot of people struggle with, uh, is that they get stuck because they want things their way. Right. Mm -hmm. But as you scale, you do have to understand you're, even if you're your employees, they're still creating, you're co-creating with them. And you have to also see how you can bring on their ideas into your creation as well. So that's what I would say is like, how do you incorporate and make sure that you're happy, but they're also happy. And especially as you evolve, you have more people working for you and you have to make sure that, you know, even more ha people are happier. So it's those kind of things. But in regards to life, life is great. Uh, <laughs> you know, like I'm really, I think if anything is we're really just looking right now is because we're very, and we, we designed this like this for us. Once again, we, we created a life where, you know, our businesses are, you know, in Canada, we're not really there day to day in operations. And we're here in London, kind of like in our own island. And we are on an island. But at the same time, I truly miss the working with a team and building with others in the same place. So I'm really jealous, to be honest with you, as awesome as our life is, I am really jealous of our, for example, our Lexi hair team in Toronto. And we have a really great team there, great culture, great office. I think people underestimate the importance. And I think Ray Dalio talks about it in his book, Principles. You know, it really does come down to a few certain things. And if you are doing meaningful work and have meaningful relationships in your life, that is one of the biggest riches and successes you can have in life. So I, we are doing meaningful work, even in both businesses. And we do have meaningful relationships. But uh, it's more about like, how do we create more of that day to day? Have you guys thought about coming back because of that? We wouldn't come back to Canada. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, but we're thinking, you know, we'll see Why not? whether it, uh, it's just cold, man. <laughs> it's just really cold. <laughs> we're just not, we just can't take the winter. In all honesty, I think Toronto is an awesome place of incredible people. I think it's a great community, but it's more about the cold. We're just like, we're just not happy with the cold. So we just, you know, we have to respect ourselves and, and, and like, once again, know what we're into, right? You have to, you have different experiences and yeah, so we'll see, we'll see, we'll see if we continue building or we choose to create here in London or some other place in the world. Okay. Last question, Alex, and I'll let you plug your stuff. Um, your YouTube channel, there, there's a lot of interesting topics, fix versus growth mindset, becoming a student of life, how to sell a product. There's a bunch of stuff for users or for followers that they can, that you've spoken about on YouTube. Do you have any favorite videos that you've done? I'll say probably like, I think I have one on my story or something like that. <laughs> um, or uh, and it's more about just like, I think a lot of people, when they look at us, you know, even like your personal listening. story, your your origin story, or something. Yeah, so I just like my yeah, I think it's like kind of like my origin story. It's called like my my life story, something mm. like that. My story, but I think it's important because a lot of people, and I think you know, when they look at us, even after the show, you check us out, and you look at us like you know on Instagram or YouTube or our travel vlogs, there's a certain thing you know there's a certain stereotype you know i understand we're part of it we create and people think of but and people just think that it we just had it everything happened so easily and the reason i think that video was important is just really where i share like our struggles right of our how i grew up and how difficult it was and uh, of being an immigrant you know a single mother all that stuff mm -hmm. and and the reason i think it's important is because a lot of people 
you know, give excuses to themselves because they're like, oh, well, it's because they're probably coming from a wealthy family or they have like these type of parents or, or like they got lucky. Like, no, <laughs> we did the freaking work, you know, it's like, and I think most importantly is we believed in ourselves. And I think that's the thing that I really, I guess it's a great way to wrap up is to anybody really listening to any of these stories of success or whatever and whatever other variables, everybody who has ever achieved something, you know, even the Kardashians, if you look down on them, they did the work. You may not see it. They may choose not to show it to you, but there's no way people just stumble on huge success in life. There's always some sort of backstory of work of, the, of what they had to do in order to get to the place where they act or you know even if they are that fortunate and they have that karma good for them but i would really recommend i guess checking out that my story and just uh, getting a little background on what i am and then helping people realize that no matter where you're coming from you know me and my wife always you know we just like sometimes we just pause and be like wow you know, I can't believe we're here. You know, you know, look, we come from a very random place. You know, I'm from a very small town in the middle of Russia uh, to a regular, you know, uh, you know, lower middle class. I mostly pretty naive and like lower middle class Russian family at that time, which is really broke to any North American standards. <laughs> you know, and uh, for us to be able to enjoy this lifestyle and freedom, it just really shows you the possibility of this world. And especially the era that we live in with the internet is truly special. So don't waste it just scrolling through the feed and looking at our photos and our lives. Use it as a tool, as an inspiration to then start creating your own lifestyle and having that own lifestyle designed for yourself. This has been uh, a real nice chat. Alex, thanks so much for coming on. Where do you want to point users to in this last few seconds? Oh, just, just check me out on my YouTube channel. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to be posting more stuff on there. So YouTube uh, slash, you can just Google Alex Icon, I-K-O-N-N. Same thing if you just want to follow me day to day, my stories in our family lifestyle with our daughter. Same thing, just follow me on Instagram. And yeah, just thank you for as well your time. And hopefully that everybody who got to this point and listened, I also thank you and grateful for you to get this way. You got persistence. So now you got to use it and create stuff in your life. That's it, guys, for today. Thanks so much for listening. E2 is brought to you by Scriberbase. Want to build recurring revenue for your business? Visit Scriberbase.com for more info. If you enjoy the show, download, share, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can also visit us at glow.fm slash e2 to become a supporter. Until next time, make today count with whatever it is you're working on. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. No more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric acid.
Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric Acid. Electric Acid. 